Okay, we are going to be looking today, Lesson 20, The Priority of Love. We're specifically going to be looking at verses 1 through 13 of 1 Corinthians 13. Now, this chapter, a lot of you are familiar with this chapter because if you're in a Christian bookstore, you might see it on a plaque, you know, what is love, and then, of course, they'll say, you know, they'll quote this section of verses. A lot of times you'll see it in a wedding. You might even hear it recited at a wedding and so forth. And, and, and those are all appropriate places for it. Let me just stop. I'm not going to take away from that. But I'm going to be very honest with you. That is not the context of this passage. The context of this passage is not just to give you a definition of love. The context of this passage that we're going to look at today is really in the midst of the whole discussion of spiritual gifts, and the problem that the church was facing, that the church was going through there with reference to the issue of spiritual gifts. And so as we go through this, I think you're going to understand what Paul is saying. And so first of all, to understand, we have to go back to verse 31, the last part of verse 31. We'll actually look at all of 31. And then we'll, we'll go through. So notice with me, first of all, verse 31 of chapter 12. We're going to read verse 31 through verse 3 of chapter 13, first of all. Notice what he says. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now that phrase right there, yet I show you a more excellent way, is really the key to helping you to grasp what he's getting ready to say in chapter 13. So notice with me, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. First of all, let's notice the importance of love, and this is very important for you and I today. First of all, he's talking about a better way here. Paul focuses on something that is more important than spiritual gifts. Because here's what's going on. Remember, he started out this whole discussion because there's obviously something happening in Corinth at this point in the Corinthian church where their focus was on people having certain spiritual gifts. And, if, and, and you were really something special if you had spiritual gifts. And so people were striving for these spiritual gifts. And remember, he made the discussion last week about that spiritual gifts are given for the benefit of who? For every, for the church. Is it for you personally? No. And who is it, who is it that gives spiritual gifts? Holy Spirit. So when he talks about earnestly seek them, it's earnestly seek to know what gifts God has given you. But he's going to show you a better way. He's going to show you something that's more important than your spiritual gift. Because here's the problem. At the heart of focusing on your spiritual gift is pride. At the heart of focusing on what God has given you is the whole issue of pride. And Well, you know, I have the, you know, the gift of this, and I'm really important, because without me they couldn't do anything. And remember, he just had that discussion. How can the eye or the head say to the foot, I don't need you? There are, you know, there, every part of the body is important. And every part of the church, everyone in the church is important to the church, period. doesn't matter what role they have. They're all important. So here's what he's saying. There's a better way, and what we need to understand is, is that there's something more important than spiritual gifts. 
Something more important than spiritual gifts. So then here's what he says. He goes on and he talks about the emptiness of ritual. The emptiness of ritual. First of all, the issue of elegance. Eloquence. Words spoken without love are empty. Words spoken without love are empty. Notice what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. So I'll give you an example. Let's excuse me for a moment. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm the best speaker there is. And I can really, you know, talk up a storm. If there's not any evidence of love and compassion on my part, what are my words? They're just emptiness. It's just a lecture. Do you know what I mean? It's just a lecture. You've got a sense in someone's heart that they care or their words are meaningless. Let me bring it down another level. So, for instance, you have a child who lives with an alcoholic. And that alcoholic is a mean drunk. When he gets drunk, he whoops up on his wife or he beats up on the kids. When he gets sober, he gets sorry. And he maybe blubbers and cries about it and even goes to the child and says, I'm sorry, I love you. What are those words? Because the next night he gets drunk again. What are they? They're empty. There's no true love there. Simply saying I love you does not mean anything. Did you understand? There's got to be something more. There's got to be more than just words, eloquence, more than just the talk. There's got to be a heart there. That's what Paul is saying. So he's talking about the emptiness here of words, of ritual. Ultimately, the first part of that is words. He goes on and talks now about the emptiness of knowledge. Spiritual knowledge without love is empty. Look, you can know a lot about the Bible. You can know a lot about doctrine. You can know a lot about theology. You can stand up and and answer every question when a question is asked in a Bible study. You can be the go-to person in the church where people will go to, well, ask so-and-so, he knows the answer. Paul's saying, if you don't have love, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Because you haven't taken what you know up here and transferred it down here. You know what I'm saying? It becomes a... To be honest with you, in fact, Paul would later say that what knowledge puffs up. Just having a lot of understanding without the balance of love will cause you to be what? Prideful. See how empty it is? See the emptiness of it? Just so spiritual love, a spiritual knowledge without love is empty. So, because notice, look what he says here now. The issue of faith. You say, faith? I thought we're supposed to have faith, but you're supposed to have faith with something else. Look at, look at what, what he says there. And though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. I mean, you could be moving mountains with your faith, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. So here's what he says. Dynamic faith without love is meaningless. Your faith is completely meaningless if it doesn't have love coupled with it. It can be so dynamic that when you know when you pray, God just answers prayers. But it's meaningless if you don't have love there. You don't have love. Benevolence. Here's another one. We always talk about we need to take care of people. We always talk about taking care of the poor. And this has been a discussion throughout history about taking care of those who are less fortunate than us. Paul says, look, even if I gave them everything I had, but I didn't have love, What's meaningless? Notice, so acts of mercy without love are meaningless. A lot of this goes on, doesn't it? 
People will do something if there's a, you know, they'll, they'll give to ease their own conscience, but not necessarily because they care for people. Not necessarily because they love people. And then finally he talks about the issue of martyrdom. Sacrifice without love is meaningless. So though my body were burned, I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now here's what I want you to see here. Now why is it so important? He's, he's going through every one of these aspects, and really when you look at this list, think about what he's talking about here. He's talking about our speaking. He's talking about our spiritual knowledge. He's talking about our benevolence, that is, what we do for other people. He's talking about our sacrifice. He's talking about our faith. I mean, that basically is covering a lot of the Christian life, is it not? Does everybody agree with me? You think about those, those aspects, that's very much covering dynamics of the Christian life. Now, here's what he's saying. You can have all of that, but if you don't have love, it's meaningless. And here, I want you to understand something. In different churches, different groups emphasize different things. So, for instance, in, in our circle of churches, for years we emphasized evangelism. How many, how many agree that? Yeah, evangelism. Got to, got to lead the law. But, I mean, honestly, if you don't have love and evangelism, it's meaningless. Some churches emphasize Bible knowledge. And their whole focus is the study of the Word of God. But again, you have all that, but if you don't have love, it's meaningless. Some churches emphasize the social, being there, having soup kitchens, having mercy missions, doing it, being there for the down and outer. But if you don't have love, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. See, the most important thing for you and I is love. Because why? What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, strength, mind. And what? Love thy neighbor as yourself. And what did Jesus say? Upon these two things hinges the whole law. What else did Jesus say? By this shall you know that you that you are my disciple by your what? Love? By your Bible knowledge? No, by your love for one another? Listen, let's go, go all the way to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. There's a church there, Church of Ephesus, prominent church. He just goes through a whole list of things that they're doing right. But he says, i got one problem with you. i got one problem with you. You have forgotten your first what? Love. See, love is a priority. Love is a priority. So here's this church. They're, they're really, oh, we've got to have this gift, and this gift is more important, and, and they're all the pride thing going on. And he says, look, I, you know what? Seek the gift. Find out what the gifts are in your life, but there's something more important. There's a better way. And the better way is love. Because if you don't have love, it's meaningless. You don't have love. It's meaningless. Now, let's bring it down to reality here for a moment. Think in terms of your, your, your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your family, your church. Think about what you do, whether it's here at the church or at home or in your relationships. Think about that for a moment. If love is not there, what's wrong? It's meaningless. And believe me, with your family, they'll see through it after a while. You know, in a church, you can snow people. You can blow smoke in church. You know what I'm saying? You put the smoke screen up and people will think, man, he is such a wonderful guy. Boy, she is such a godly woman. But the reality is, is that, because nobody, you know, but your family, they live with you day in and day out. They know. Here at church, we only see you in. One hour, two hours a week. But if you don't have love in what you're doing, what's the point? It is completely meaningless. Completely meaningless. So then, 
Here's what he's going to do. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. We're going to look, first of all, verses 47, talk about the essence of love. What is love? What is the essence of love? And then we're going to talk about the permanence of love. The essence of it, and then we're going to talk about the permanence of it. So look with me at verses 4 through 7, and we're going to see the essence of love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So let's look at that. And basically, here's what we're going to see. In your book, I've I've divided them into three different groups. Here's the essence of love. It's inward, outward, and upward. Inward, outward, and upward. Love is, 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 the essence of it is inward, what's going on inside of me. The essence of love is outward, how I interact with others. And the essence of love is upward, my relationship with God. So let's look at a couple things here. First of all, from this we see that love expresses itself inwardly in our attitudes. Look at the very first thing that it says. Love suffers long. So It's translated patience. Love is patient. Love is patient. That's an inward attitude, isn't it? When you think about you and you think about love, love is patient with people. You understand? Here's the thing. When you get to the place where you're like, okay, I'm going to write that person off. I've had it with them. I'm going to write them off. Boom. I've written them off in my mind. Is that patience? No, it isn't. Here's the thing. Can I ask you something? First of all, I've made this point before. You may want to write this down. We're all messed up. Write down. You you may... You may even want to change the we to, I'm messed up. Now, some of you are going to have a hard time writing that down because you don't think you're messed up. But the fact of the matter is, is we're all messed up. And if you don't think you are, ask some family members. Am I quirky? No. Just ask, do I do things that are weird? You know, you may think they're normal, but, you know, they're not. And... Here's my point. We're all messed up. And so we all have issues that we're struggling with and we're all that we're dealing with. Now, here's the point. Somebody was patient with you out of love. And aren't you glad somebody didn't write you off because of your quirkiness? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm just talking about personality issues there, but let's talk about sin issues. It's so easy to write, easy to write people off because of the sin in their life, but love is patient. Love endures. Love endures. I was at a funeral yesterday. They were reading the testimony of the mom who died. And it was a daughter. And the daughter shared in her tribute to her mom about how her mom, even when they didn't do right, continued to love them and was patient with them. See, that, that, that's a great testimony, isn't it? That's what love is. See, love is, is expressed in an inward attitude. Now, what I just shared with you, it's also expressed outwardly, too. Didn't you? And so, here's the next point. So, it is outward. It's an inward attitude. You've got to, first of all, you've got to be at peace with yourself. And you've got to grasp love for yourself. For some of you, you've got to love yourself. Let me just stop for a moment. Hold, what do you mean? Hold on a second. You've got to celebrate who you are. You've got to celebrate who you are. Because some of you are so down on yourself. 
Love is an attitude. You've got to love yourself and love who God. You are created in the image of God. God created you in His image. He gave life to you. He gifted you. He, he made you the special person that you are. So celebrate it. So it's an inward attitude. Love begins inwardly. And here's the wonderful thing about love for a Christian. The essence of love is within you in the person of who? Holy Spirit. And so love can then flow out of you. First of all, inwardly, permeating who you are. And then next of all, outwardly. Notice what the next thing is. Love expresses itself in our actions towards others. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. This is the essence of love. Love, the essence of it is is that it's not just something that you feel on the inside. It's got to come out of you. It's got to be expressed in action towards other people. Now, let me just stop for a moment. What do you think is the most important thing for you as a Christian today to do? Now, tell me, what's the first, when I ask that, what's the first thing, maybe you've been conditioned, what's the first thing that came to your mind, what's the most important thing for you to do? Okay, love one another. What was that? Show love. Okay, act like Christ. Anybody else? Okay, be obedient. Be obedient. All right, those are all good. What's that? Share with others. Okay, Rob says share with others. Anybody else? Here's what I'm going to say to you. The most important thing hinges on what he said to us earlier. Love God, love each other. Everything else falls on the place of that. Obedience, uh, Luke mentioned obedience. Obedience is I need to be obedient to what he said. And obviously the first two things that he said is I need to, most important things are love. It's more important than showing up, although we want you to show up. You've got to show up. Because you, you forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because you need the encouragement of each other. It's more important than giving. You've got to give. That's, a, that's an act of worship. It's more important than how much you read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible because you've got to know who God is. But love is the most important thing in a believer's life. Loving God. Loving each other. Being grumpy is not acceptable. Tearing people's heads off when you talk to them is not acceptable. How many of you have met dear old saints like that? You know, remember a dear saint, she's now gone on to be with the Lord, and people would be scared of her. You know, and and I, she'd come in and I'd say, how are you doing? She said, as many people as I can. And I said, well, that's not a loving Christian attitude. And she'd smile and laugh and go sit down. But everybody else was scared of her because she was grumpy. But on the inside was hard shell outside, but on the inside was somebody wanting to be loved. Now, here's what I'm saying. That grumpy attitude, there's a problem there. That's not acceptable to God. So, I mean, think about it. If you treat people, if you trash people in your life, you trash people in your life, you talk down to them, you berate them, you belittle them, I mean, and you think it's okay, I want you to think about this. The Bible says very clearly that one day you've got to stand before God, and how are you going to explain that to him? Especially when Jesus says that every idle word will be taken into account. You know, I had, I had, I had uh, after the funeral, I had lunch with my in-laws, and we were sitting there talking and convincing. I don't remember half of what I talked to them about yesterday. I'm just getting older. You know? I, I don't remember. I mean, I remember, some, I remember the important things. Okay, I got that marked down. But just some of the trivial stuff, I've gotten to a place where I can't even remember that now. 
Maybe it's too much iced tea. I don't know. So, anyhow, here's the point. Here's what I want you to see. But one day, I, it will be brought up. See, the most important thing is love. Not just inward love, loving inwardly, but outward love. Loving others around you. Reaching out to others. Expressing that love. That's more important. Listen, what's more important to God is not a church that's busting at the seams where everybody doesn't know each other. But rather, what's more important to God is to have a body of believers that cares for one another and is there for one another and loves one another and shows love for one another. That's more important to God. Because that is a light. That is a testimony of what gospel love is. What the gospel of Jesus is. Love. So it's expressed... And, and listen, some of this, here's, here's the point. Here's what I want you to see. When it expresses itself in our actions towards others, look with me just real quickly here. Look at what it says. Verse 5. Does not behave rudely. There's no excuse for being rude to somebody, period. Does not seek its own. What is that? That is when you do something towards somebody else, for somebody else, but your reason for doing it is not for them, it's for who? For you. In fact, Jesus would later say about giving alms in public, you know, blowing the big horn, wah, 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 look at me, I'm giving a big check. And how many churches have struggled with that, where we make a big deal out of somebody who maybe is a businessman giving money to the church, but you gave what you gave sacrificially and nobody said anything big about it because the dollar amount wasn't big. And what did Jesus say about the widow who gave two mites, who gave all that she had? You see my point? See, that's, it's expressed in actions towards... Love is, expresses itself in our actions towards others. Let, let's go on. Here's what it's... A, it, when we talk about upward, love expresses itself in our walk with God. It expresses itself in our, our walk with God. I, I heard a speaker yesterday uh, talking about the issue of love. How many of you heard the term falling in love? That doesn't happen. You know, you just don't fall in love. You grow to love someone. You grow to love them. All right? And, 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 and couples, if you're struggling with the issue of love in your relationship, the issue is, is that you're not spending time with each other in order to grow to love one another. And here's the issue. Why am I saying that? Because some of you are struggling in your relationship with God, and you lip, I love you, Jesus, but your heart doesn't really feel that. The key point, can I be honest with you, is, is how you grow to love someone is by what? Spending time with them, interacting with them, communicating with them. And so when we talk about our upward relations, that love is expressed in our walk with God, how you grow in your love for God is to spend time with Him, is to make Him the priority. Because some of you will say, well, you know, I really want to spend time with God, but man, my day is so packed. And I just sleep in at the last moment, I hit the snooze button, give me an extra 15 minutes, and then I'm up late, and, okay, I understand all that, you're packed, but let me ask you something, what are the priorities in your life during the day? You say, what do you mean? You know what you love by what you focus your time on. You know what you love by what you focus your time on. See, here's the thing, is your show more important than God? It can be. Your hobby? more important than God? No? Sleep? Well, you know, I'm up late. Well, you know what? Don't listen to Leno. 
go to bed earlier, spend time with somebody who knows everything that is going on. Do you know what I mean? Spend time with God. Grow in your love for Him. And listen, can I be honest with you? Let me just start from, how many of you heard stories of like guys like Jonathan Edwards or, or some of these old saints who got up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning or 5 in the morning and they spent time praying and, and interacting with God and you're like, man, those are super spiritual people. I could never do that. How many of you have heard people like that? How many of you say, that is not me? Be honest. I got my hand up there too. Okay. Can I tell you how they got there? First of all, they went to bed at 9 o'clock. They didn't have TV. They didn't have electric lights. So they got up early in the morning. But here's another reason why they got up. is because they had developed, I can almost guarantee you, in the life of every one of those individuals, they did not start out praying at 5 in the morning. They did not start out praying at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. The reason why they prayed then is because all the other distractions were gone and they could focus totally on the God that they had grown to love. So, for instance, I'll get, when Lori attracted my attention, and as I grew to love her, I can, you almost, I can almost guarantee you this, I called her all the time. She would call my office. I would drop what I was doing to talk to her. I mean, she was more important than ministry. Boy, things have changed, haven't they? You know? You know, so, I mean, here's the point I want you to see. Because I was excited about getting to know her and the relationship with her, I spent time with her. Should be the same with God. You know, in fact, I have another reminiscence. April of 1985, I was a freshman, second semester freshman at the University of South Carolina in the engineering program. And I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it was so real to me. And the excitement of just spending time with him, I devoured books. You gave me a book, I read it in a day. I read scripture. I prayed. I was even to the point where I wouldn't even ask him anything about me. I just prayed for other people. And so somebody had to wisely come and say, it's okay, George, to talk to God about me. Now, I almost guarantee you, I, I, I don't have that same love like I did back then. Why? Because you just get so used to each other. And you can get so used to God that that, that is missing. But I'm going to tell you something. He's still there waiting for it. He's still longing for that time with you. And the essence of love, it's not just inward, not just outward towards each other. The essence of love is what we express towards God now. And the greatest person that could ever show you love, the God of the universe, waits to have that relationship with you. In fact, that's more important to him than anything. That's why he created you. He didn't create you to be an evangelist. He didn't create you to do whatever you're doing or striving for. He created you for a relationship with Him so that He could interact with you. That's why the garden was there. And He would come and walk in the cool of the garden. In fact, listen, when you go to Revelation chapter 20 and 21, the amazing thing is it says that God dwells with them again. 
the reestablishment of that order. The essence of love is upward. So, listen, if you're struggling in your life, can I be honest with you? Just spend time with them. Okay, now let me just stop. This is, uh, i got to be practical here because some of you are going to say, okay, so where do I begin? In Genesis? Please don't tell me Leviticus. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that. Here's where you begin. You set that time aside. You need to go to the Psalms. Psalms are filled with a lot of interesting cries of God, people towards God. And you just read through a psalm. And then you just say to him, Lord, I'm sorry. But I really want to know you better. And I really want to grow towards you. And you know my heart. And listen, it's got to come from your heart. Because if it's not from your heart, listen to me, if it's not from your heart that you want that, it doesn't matter. If all you're doing is for us because George told you to do it, and you're hoping for something special to happen, it's going to happen. It's got to be a sincere. Because again, like for instance, if I went to Lori and I've been crabbing at her all week, okay, and, and I've been making her life miserable, I'm not helping out with the kids, I'm just dumping my dirty clothes everywhere, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, and I'm complaining about the food that's put on it. What do you mean we're having this tonight? You know, and, and then I say to her later, love you, sweetie. What do you think she's going to say? <laughs> you know, remember that song, I'm in the jailhouse now? I'm in the doghouse now. Okay? Here, here's my point. God's the same way. He sees right through it. So it's got to be a sincerity from your heart. You've got to go to Him and you've got to say to Him, Lord, I, I want to know you. Let me just stop for a moment. That's a good question. Do you want to know Him? Maybe you've not asked yourself that question. Do you really want to know Him? He wants to know you. And, and it's expressed in love. So you go to Him and you say, Lord... You know, speak to me. Now, he may not say anything first. He may not say anything for a whole month, but he just is waiting. And you go and you rest in it. So, listen, praying sometimes isn't saying anything. Praying sometimes is just being quiet. Elmer Towns has a great book on prayer. I'll get you the title later. And in it he tells about prayer as snuggling with God. And when I was reading that book, in fact, I was reading the book, Hudson got up from his nap. And he came downstairs, and he crawled up into my lap, and he snuggled with me. I thought, man, what a picture. It's just what I was just reading came to life right then. Some of you, your little ones, they do that. And you love that. Okay? God wants us just to crawl up into his lap and snuggle with him and to hear about our day and what concerns us. And to hear from us. See, it begins there. You've got to grow. We've got way off track of the love thing because I'm trying to help you with your relationship. But that's the essence of the relationship, isn't it, love? 
Okay, so here's, that's the essence of love. So let's talk about the permanence of love. And so this is where we're going to spend the last few moments here. Look at verse 8 through 13. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now now, by faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So let's, first of all, love is unfailing. Paul makes the point that love never fails. Now, you might be sitting there and you might be thinking in terms of human love, because you're saying, well, yeah, you know, I fell into love. First of all, I told you I don't believe that. And then I fell out. When he talks about love never fails, he talks about the love of God never fails. Listen, you can count on that. Some of you, you wrestle with that. Does God really love me? Look, if he loved you yesterday, he'll love you tomorrow. What about today? Today. Never fails. Love never fails. God's love never fails. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, it never fails. And here's the thing. Gifts. Now, here's the point. Here's how he's tying this issue of love in. Gifts, he's saying, then, are not permanent. So, here's what I'm saying. Gifts will vanish. Spiritual gifts are not permanent. So you guys, you're focused on your spiritual gifts. He's talking to the Corinthians. You think you're so important because you're manifesting this experience or whatever. He's saying that's not important. Because one day it'll be done away with. It won't matter. Let me just stop for a moment. See, this is the tool of the enemy. He has many tools. We're going to talk about some of the tools today in the morning worship service. He has many tools, and one thing that he, one tool he has is called distraction. And here's what he can do. He will distract churches away from that which is most important. So remember I told you, some churches focus on Bible knowledge, some churches focus on gifts, some churches focus on evangelism. You know, all of that is a part of church life, but not any, it's not, shouldn't be the foremost part of the church. And what Satan will do is he will come and distract you by making your focus be on one area. And so Paul's trying to get their attention here and say to them, guys, gifts are important, but they're not that important because they're going to, they're going to vanish. They're not permanent. What's permanent? Love. See, that's the point. So that's permanent. Okay, so here, let's go on then. Understanding is partial. So, our understanding and knowledge is not perfect. Because even me, even George, with all the reading I do, all the degrees, all the training, all the listening to sermons, listening to sermons, I, I don't listen to sermons one time, I listen to sermons five times. Just so I can grab what they're saying. And all of that, and I could probably do pretty good at Bible trivia. The game. But my understanding is partial. I don't know everything. 
nor am I going to say that I do, because that would be the height of arrogance and pride. I don't. I am dumbfounded sometimes with the things the way God does things. And it reminds me all the more that the more, and in fact, here's what I heard a theologian say this, and this is great. The more I study, the more I realize I don't know. See, here's the thing. Our understanding and our knowledge is not perfect. So don't get puffed up on the gifts. They're not permanent. Don't get puffed up on your knowledge because you don't know it. You haven't arrived. In fact, if you think you've arrived, you've just revealed how ignorant you are. You've just revealed that. So our understanding and our knowledge is not perfect. So let's go on. But there is something coming. The coming perfection. Spiritual gifts will not be needed when the perfect has come. Who's the perfect? Now, there are some people who feel, feel that the perfect is the Bible. I, I don't believe that. Who's the perfect? Christ. There won't be any need anymore when Jesus comes. Okay? There won't be any need anymore when Jesus comes. So here's the progression of maturity. As we mature physically, we set aside childish ways and thinking. We're supposed to at least, right? As we mature, we set aside childish ways and thinking. Physically. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Spiritually, we only see in part, but we will see completely later. You know, we wrestle with, God, why do you allow these things to happen? Why does this take place? You know what? Later on, we'll know. In fact, we'll see as we've never seen before. Then you'll say, ah, okay, now I understand. Oh, I was bummed out for no reason, wasn't I? Okay? Then finally, that which abides. Here's what he's saying. Now, here's, you know what? You want to focus on three things in your life? Here's three things to focus on. Love, hope, faith, hope, and love will endure eternally. In fact, can I give you a key point here? Every one of these is a manifestation of the Spirit. Did you hear what I said? See, they were seeking manifestations. They were seeking these spiritual gifts. But he's saying, look, there's something more important. And what's more important that comes from the Spirit as He works in your life is faith. Faith in who? God. Hope. Hope in who? God. Love. Love for who? God. For everyone else. And then what does he say? The most important of the three is what? Love. Okay, so next week we're going to get back to, he's going to continue on delving further into the whole spiritual gifts issue. So let's pray.